Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Deb Brown. She's one of the co-founders of Savior.Town and uh, someone who is really interesting and important in the uh, rural uh, community and economic development space. Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Good. I have been uh, reading you for a very long time, Uh, you and Becky McRae. Uh, probably, I don't know, I want to say at least a decade. Is, is that too long? No, not at, well, Becky's been uh, at Small Biz Survival. She created that back in the, I want to say 2006. So it's very possible oh my, you've been listening yeah. to us for a while, over a decade. Yes. Wonderful. So uh, tell our listeners who you are and uh, what you do and, and, and all of that. So I'm Deb Brown. It's a big question, um, who you are. So I'll just stick with <laughs> what I do. How's that? Um, sure. Becky and I created Savior.Town in 2015. Uh, we both have a rural background, born and raised in rural. I'm originally from Iowa, small town in Iowa, and uh, left as soon as I could, like most youth do, and ended up in Chicago for a number of years, raised my family there, and moved to North, uh, North Carolina and came back when my dad got sick and had a heart attack. That too is another reason that young people are coming back home um, with their families and to do those kind of things. So I got involved in the Chamber of Commerce industry, oh, first in communications and then as an executive director. And what I found out, my experience in economic development came because traditionally, um, economic developers were chase ma- cha- uh, smokestack chasers. I'll get the word out there yet. Right. Um, and in a rural community, you really have to do everything. You can't, the hopes of getting another big factory um, are very slim. So you have to pay attention to your downtown and to your chamber members, which was my job. So I got much more involved in filling empty buildings and uh, creative placemaking and those w- wonderful things that that make rural communities even better and more well known, and uh, so that's what we talk about: challenges that rural communities face and various solutions to uh, addressing them. Excellent. I think that that sort of gives us a broad overview of who you are and what you do. One of the things that you talk about a lot are um, empty buildings. So let's talk about that because every small town has empty buildings. Don't they? 
Well, right. there's a story, of course, that goes with it. And stories are, are what make us better at what we do. So that's one thing you'll learn from both of us. We tell a lot of stories uh, versus, you know, facts tell, stories sell. That's still true today. Uh, when I started, uh, I went for my job interview at that small town for economic or for chamber of commerce director. I drove through downtown, eight thousand people, and there were fourteen empty buildings downtown. Holy crap! I knew I was going to have to fill them. You know they were going to make me do that, right? Right. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So I thought, let's instead of not talking about them and ignoring them. Let's showcase them. Let's show them off. Let's do a tour of empty buildings. And we put together, um, the chamber office, we put together this tour of empty buildings. There were 12 buildings on the tour. Uh, we worked with realtors and building owners directly um, because we, I wanted them in the building. I wanted them to be able to answer those questions. What's behind that door? How many square feet? What was here before? And then we got our retired chamber professionals on board to help tell the stories of those buildings, exactly what was there before. And the exciting thing about that, not only did they do that, but they had ideas on what could go there too. So they were just having a grand old time talking about the history and the possibilities for the future. Um, 12 buildings on the tour, 44 people attended that tour. Uh, and you would think that's not very much, but we were very pleased with it because we'd spread the news statewide and we got picked up on some national things um, so that the word was out. And the secret to filling the buildings is we just kept talking about it. Uh, every time somebody looked at a building, the newspaper showed up and took a picture. Uh, possible owners, you know, uh, we wrote about it. Uh, it was just so much fun working in a community that had lost a major manufacturer and really had were almost at the end of their rope of hope and to bring back that positive attitude and, and talk about what was possible versus what had been really made a huge difference the uh local movie theater had just closed my first week on the job and a group of excited people got together and said we're going to save the theater this is crazy um, it was $90,000 just to upgrade the digital equipment. And this group, I was on that group. I was so happy because I love movies. Um, they saved the movie theater. They actually raised a quarter of a million dollars in almost two years and then opened shortly after that, did all the repairs, bought the building, did the repairs, and had this discussion about should we hire people to work here or should we run it with volunteers? And thankfully, they came down on the side of let's hire people. We're, we're about economic development. We saved our theater. We want to keep jobs here. And they're still open today. That was in 2014. And uh, they're happily still open showing first-run movies. The 12 buildings of them, 10 buildings were either sold or rented within 18 months. The tour of empty buildings was definitely successful. Wow. And so the most of the people that bought those buildings or rented those buildings, were they locals or were they from out of town? The majority were uh, locals or from okay. the region. You know, when you're in a small town, local means 50 sure. mile radius, right? Um, right. 
Yeah, the majority of them were locals. And, and one of the things that helped is we created an incubator project. Um, I'm from a farm, grew up on a farm, and the, the old way of raising chicks is you had this huge heated incubator and the chicks sat underneath it. So that incubator helped to grow the chickens. And then when they got big enough, they didn't need the incubator anymore. So we named the project the Incubator Project. And uh, there was a building owner that had three empty buildings and put two of them into that project. And it was such a great idea. One was a restaurant. So um, a young couple moved actually to the area and opened up a incredible Italian restaurant. Um, and a year later, the husband got a, offered a job three times his normal salary. You can't say no to that because, you know, family does come first. And it was a project. Right. It was the incubator project. It wasn't that they'd invested a ton of money buying a building and trying to figure everything out. They just went for it and tried it. And it was successful. What happened, the next people in there, the uh, Mexican grocery store, huge store with lots of room in the back, wanted to open their own restaurant. But they were saving up for a commercial hood. And those things aren't cheap either. So they decided to go ahead and try the incubator out. To number one, test their recipes, see if people like them, test their hours, give their staff more training, and introduce the community to the food that they made. And it was a great testing ground for that. And they have opened a beautiful restaurant in the back of their grocery store now. And it's uh, very popular. So trying ideas out is, is always a good thing to see if it works. As you well know, starting any business... Um, if you're going to go into a brick-and-mortar building, just the cost of investment, and then once you get in, uh, oh, my God, this is not up to code, and this, the roof needs a new roof. And, I mean, there's a ton of surprises that pop up. And we haven't even talked about have you got a, a product yet, and have you done your research on the product? How do you know people are going to buy it? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that you can start that way where we believe, Becky and I both, uh, the idea-friendly method is testing the ideas out first to see if they work. That's the beauty of pop-ups um, at events. If you, for example, Sue Anderson um, in my town was a, crocheted a lot of different things, uh, scarves and necklaces, scarves and hats and winter in Iowa, right? And sure. did a one-day pop-up at another event, included herself in the event, and sold out of her product. Well, here's what she found out. She didn't want to open a business. She did not want to open a full-time business because the production was so much. She didn't want to dedicate that much time to one person making all this product. Now, she's still making product, but she has partnered with other businesses and sells it inside other businesses. So lesson learned, lesson learned. Absolutely. Um. I find it interesting that you said the the ten buildings that were you know leased purchased or leased that you know most of them were from locals. So I wonder, was it the fact that you had the vacant building tour that excited this idea? Was that the was that the genesis? Because I mean, those people were already there. They probably already had some kind of entrepreneurial leaning, they wanted to do something, but those, those buildings were just sitting there. So was it about not ignoring the maybe blighted assets that you have in your community that made it, you know, turn them into a feature and not a 
uh, a bug of the community? Yes, I think that was a big part of it. A couple of years prior to that, a larger, a large manufacturer um, that employed 2,000 people in the community moved to Mexico. Um, and as you can imagine, all the businesses that fed into that company folded. Many of them closed. Right. And some of those created these empty buildings. And it, it also made for a real attitude of despair. Um, and it's right. so easy to get caught in that loop. Like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You go from the company town, which is exactly what, what it was, to, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to do something else. So, so interjecting um, the possibility for uh, creating your own business or trying something out and showcasing the buildings. Because, you know, rumors fly in in rural communities. Boy, do rumors fly. And, you know, maybe that building isn't safe. Well, if you're opening on a tour, you can actually see what works and what doesn't work. Um, and not everybody knew about all the buildings either. And you think they would, but they did not. So right. being able to showcase these buildings, really talk about them um, and put pictures out there and interviews with the people that owned them and and possible new businesses really created this this um, groundswell of oh my gosh there's a there's a chance for me I could do this. It helped that the movie theater a group came together to save the movie theater because that brought more attention to the community and to those buildings as well. So in a way, it was the same as the sort of uh, negative rumor mill. After the the plant moved away, there was this negative general vibe. You, with the the building tour, started this positive vibe. This this idea that there were options, there were opportunities, there were there were these assets, and and sort of picture yourself as a part of this, and that that spread as well. Then sort of reinvigorating the community. Well, and I talked to so many people about the tour and and asked for what they thought about it and would they help and for their involvement. And I went to the coffee shop um, where the old guys gather, um, pretty common, right? And that's, mm -hmm. I think they intentionally make up rumors just to see what people will do. Um, in any case, I was <laughs> sitting by this one fella who's known to be kind of grouchy. And, and I asked him, I said, what do you think of the, the building tour that we're doing? And he said, oh, God, that's never going to work. What are you thinking? That's just not going to work. I'm like, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Where does your daughter live? Well, she lives in Des Moines. I'm like, what would it be like if she could start a business of her own and come back here and do it? Then he saw, oh, shoot, that would be awesome. Wow, my grandkids would be back here. So it's looking at all sides of the equation and just not the what you've heard. It's never going to work. And in fact, it right. did. Absolutely. So what did that uh, empty building tour cost to put together? Well, that's interesting. Um, so the chamber, we led it at the Chamber of Commerce. We got a, right. a local engineering company to create a map of where all the buildings were and made those maps available at the chamber office and online so people could download uh -huh. them. Um, the food afterwards, the local Hy-Vee donated the food. We didn't pay anybody to do it, so it really just cost our time. We marketed online. That's amazing. Sent out a right, ton of right. press releases. 
and kept talking about the stories. I visited towns that had markets, you know, outside of like antique markets and sat and talked to people. What would, would you like to open up your own store? We've got some spaces. And we actually had one person move um, about the incubator. She was interested in the incubator project. She ended up buying a building. Um, and moved her business there. It opened up a brick-and-mortar business from doing pop-ups at antique markets. That's phenomenal. Excellent. Um, so what else? What are other things that communities can do, maybe you've done or uh, been a part of, that aren't, you know, that don't revolve around their buildings? Maybe they've, maybe they don't have vacant buildings. Maybe they've taken care of that, or maybe they're just looking for something else. What, so, what should they do? What else should they do? One of the things that we do at Savior.town, um, we call them on-site visits. And I'll go and stay in a community for three or four days. And of course, work with the team on the ground ahead of time to put together groups of people to talk to. So anywhere from city council down to the volunteers at the Historical Society, students, for sure students, and spend those three days taking a ton of notes. And all I ask is, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And of course, people say, what do you mean, what do I want? I'm like, what do you want for your community? What would you like to see? And then a, a conversation begins and starts. Somebody will say, I want it to be like it was in 1955. And I, my response is, okay, you know, we're here now. But what about that? What about that time frame? Was it that you liked? What is it that you want from there? So just drilling down more. Um, it could be things as simple as better access to our stores, more parking, uh, later business hours, uh, more art. I mean, there's, you know, ton, we need more businesses. Whatever the conversation is, we bring it back to what can we do today? What can we start on today? And, and the idea-friendly method that Becky created, it's really simple. Everybody's got a big idea, and you take that idea, and you gather your crowd around it. So say, for instance, you want a splash pad in your town for your kids. So a group of moms will, could get together and say, hey, um, bring your kids over to my house. I'm going to set up the sprinklers, and they can run through the sprinklers, and, and we'll just have some coffee and, and talk a little bit about getting a splash pad. So You've begun the conversation. Give the kids the experience together of getting wet like you would in a splash pad. And for the parents to see that and go, wow, that really would be a good thing to have. So that's gather your crowd. Next step up is build connections. So these moms don't know how to go about this. They assume the city will do it. And we forget we are the city. There are many things that we can start as individuals. So perhaps they need to talk to the city manager to see if there's available property somewhere for that. Um, they might need to do a little research online and talk to some companies that make splash pads. They just need to, to build their connections. And then the final step is take small steps. And they've already done that by bringing themselves together to talk about it. That's a small step. Um, another great one on that project would be um, posting on Facebook. Hey, what do you guys think about having a splash pad? Here's some pictures from this weekend when we had the kids come over to sprinklers, and it got us thinking about that. So you, you begin to build that swell, and you go from there. Those small steps will add up to what it is you're trying to accomplish. And if they don't, it's just a small step. 
You've tested right. your idea out. You've seen if it's a good one or not. It's a learning process. It's not failure. It's all a part of the learning process. And imagine doing that with, you can give me any idea and I can tell you how to use the idea-friendly method to get started. And it's in the getting started and involving people and, and sharing your stories that create the kind of communities we want to live in. So in a sense, it's, it's, give, it's again, giving people this other idea of, of opportunities, allowing them to be a part of it and and then ultimately testing out these small ideas. I guess because at the end of the day, your your vacant building tour was a relatively small idea. Come see these yeah. vacant buildings and if they, you know, excite you or whatever, then then something can happen. But if not, then no skin off your back. I mean Natchez, yeah. uh Mississippi does it every year. They do a, a possibilities tour. That's what they call it. Uh Jefferson, Iowa did it and that town has really grown in leaps and bounds with the cool stuff that's happening there. Um, it leads to more than just filling the empty buildings. And, and the secret is involving as many people in whatever motivational way they can be involved. My grandmother might not be able to get out. Well, she won't. She's passed. But for instance, if I had a grandmother, mm -hmm. uh, but she's really good. She knows how to do a telephone chain. So she's really good at picking up the phone and talking to people. That matters. That reaches an audience that we wouldn't normally reach. The, right. You know, we have a friend, uh, Miss Daisy, Linda Crib, Crim on social media, that's been a fan of ours since we started. And she does the best job on social media of sharing the stuff that we do. And she's a fascinating older woman that's, that's into community de development. Um, and she's got her own big following. And we were thrilled that she took a you know, got to notice us. And she seldom goes right. anywhere. She's rheumatoid arthritis and really can't get around. But she she has created an amazing world online. And and she she's just somebody to follow. Miss Daisy, if you're looking for her, D A Z E Y. Happily promote her. She's on Facebook and right. and she's on Twitter. Not very many people are using Twitter these days, but she is um on Twitter. Okay. It's interesting that you mentioned these um, uh, X. Sorry, the oh on X. Yes, it's it's interesting though that you mentioned these older folks because I was just about to ask: Does this require young people? Because that's you know another challenge that every small town has that the number of young people is is has fallen. But it does sound like there's a role for everyone, regardless of how they can actively participate. If finding the size of the step that matches their motivation is the most important thing. Um, I think you would be surprised at the and when I think of young people pe people, I'm not talking students, I'm talking, you know, twenty five to forty year olds basically, right, starting right. families and and you'd be surprised at the number that are moving back home. Uh, and want to make a difference. Uh, part of the dilemma is they're not involved in the decision-making. They're not encouraged to be involved in the decision-making in some of the rural communities. Um, I was in Mount Air working in that county, in Ringgold County, and happened, luckily me, for me, happened across a group of young people that meet every month down there. Um, and they've started businesses. Uh, they've worked with each other to create ideas and do something with it's an amazing group of young people. 
And when I did my final presentation live there, I asked, there was, I don't know, maybe 60 people in the room. I asked uh, for anybody under 40 to please stand. And there were about 15 mm -hmm. people that stood up. And I said, now everybody else look around. These are people already here doing things in your community. Do you know who they are? Have you welcomed them? Have you asked them what do they want? And that really opened quite a bit, uh, well, opened my eyes, but opened a lot of other eyes as well. They're here. You just have to figure out how to find them. Uh, Bennettsville, South Carolina, gave me a great idea. It's called the Newcomers Gathering. So what they do uh, once or twice a year, they have the realtors personally invite the people they sold houses to or rented houses to, to come to this gathering. Um, I happened to be in town uh, working with them when they had one. So I was at the gathering. The um, Somebody from the county was there. The city manager was there and a couple of retailers. There was food. You always got to give people food. Um, they tend to show up better. Um, and the experience for me, you know, they're asking, can we burn our garbage? Where is the, if not, where is the landfill? You know, those questions mm. that you don't get a packet handed to you when you move somewhere, right? right? Um, there was a group of four women that sat in the front row. They said, we live in this small town over here uh, and we've, started helping our neighbors clean up their yards. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, they're older and, and they needed help, so we just decided to do it. There's four volunteers right there. And they don't do it on committee. They don't do it around an agenda. They just get together and do it when they can. You know, when you're looking for volunteers, that's what you look for. Somebody that can help you for three hours on Saturday versus right. serving on a three-year committee. I really went down a rabbit hole, didn't I? Um, oh, you did, but it was it was worth it. That was really good. <laughs> and Montana picked up on that idea too. The um, extension office out in Montana does a newcomers gathering too. They did it in Red Lodge, and the same kind of experience. People, Red Lodge is a tourist town for all intents and purposes, but it's a small town, and people who you would think would know each other didn't and showed up well we moved here two years ago we want to meet the newcomers and, and there's your your body of interested and willing folks to work with the um right. iowa state university did a 20-year study of 99 towns um and the most impressive thing they found to me is the communities that will thrive are the ones that are open to new ideas and allowing newcomers to be involved in the decision-making process. That is, that's, oh, that makes perfect sense. It does. Because they, they, can, they can participate, but they have to have a stake in the outcome. Yeah, and, and why not? You know, the, the, the older generation that, that you hear say things like, we've never done it that way before, or mm -hmm. um, we can't do that. We tried it once, it didn't work. Um, having more open conversations instead of being stopped by that. You know, what didn't work about it? Well, that was in 1999. Uh, I just heard about a town over here that's already done it. So bringing out the, the concerns, because they really think they're helping you. They don't want to see you fail. Um, right. So if you go in with that attitude of 
how can we use their advice? Because they have been around a while and they do know some people and some things, right? But then mm -hmm. how can we move forward and not get stuck in that um, wave of negativity? So this is, you know, this seems like a really great idea and it obviously works. What's the largest, you know, does it, how would it work in a larger community? Okay, so that's a really great question. Um, give me the name of a town that you're thinking of. Oh, I wasn't, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Just think of a town with, I don't know, 100,000 people or something. And So, so um, you know, Chicago comes to mind for me. But what oh, sure. I know about Chicago is it is a group of uh, small towns connected. Gotcha. You know, okay. so, so yes, you, that makes perfect sense. You go to the right. neighborhoods. You, you don't necessarily go to the entire community, but you start thinking mm -hmm. about where you live and your neighborhoods and where you shop and, and what could be possible there. Um, I was in Newcastle, Washington, doing some work. Um, and it's, you know, Seattle, basically, suburb of Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, doesn't have a downtown district. Um but it does have some shopping malls that go through it. And what we call shopping malls in the Midwest, um, places that go mm -hmm. shop with parking. Um, and there was a real successful restaurant there. And you know, the thing they did that really uh, drew people's attention, they took four of their parking spaces right in front and created outdoor seating with an overhead shade and beautiful tables and uh, things to circulate the air. They, they created an experience is what they did. And and people want experiences. So now, now this mall, the other businesses there, they're starting to pick up because they're seeing more people in the area. And and you know, once you start something, you got to jump on board, right? Right. So through the neighborhoods, $100,000 100,000 people can still be a small town, just a group of them. Tulsa, right. Oklahoma just a, just is doing some great things. Just some great things with, with uh, there's a neighborhood, 365. It's the name of the project, I think. Cheryl Lawton is the organizer and um, wanted better food in her, her neighborhood. So figured out how to set up pop-up places for, for food trucks and for people to come and do food and retail. So yes, it does work if you does just work. because you just niche it down to to the sort of size of your neighborhood keep, or the keep size of trying your trying out your ideas. Hey, I got this idea. What do you think? Um, wow! And then don't be stopped by money because it's first of all, it's just money. You, you don't need right. money to get started. Um, when you get to the point where you need more money, now you've got more people on board as well. It's not just you and your friend trying to get the money to open this brick and mortar business, right? You've involved mm -hmm. the community and people are coming to you. Hey, I know a grant writer or I heard about this or did you know our state does? Those kind of opportunities. It's working with your community, not just working by yourself. Well, Deb, this has been fascinating. Um, I've learned I've learned a lot and I thought that, you know, I kind of knew something about this, but I hadn't even realized that 
you know, if you just niche down any any a city of any size, you can do this same sort of yes. thing. And it's not about taking big projects and scaling them down. It's not that at all. Rural communities will tell you, don't bring your big city plans here and expect us to dumb them down. It doesn't work. Right. And you're not paying attention to us. You're not involving community. Excellent. Well, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to contact you? So my email is deb at saveyour.town. It's S-A-V-E-Y-O-U-R dot town. There's no dot com in there anywhere. Just dot town. Oh, um, that's and that's also excellent email. <laughs> and there's that's also our website is savior.town. And we do have a free weekly newsletter um, that we would love to have everybody sign up for. Um, we do a biannual survey of rural challenges. And so rural people tell us what the challenges are. We're not guessing them. Um, we're listening to rural people everywhere. So um, a lot of our work is based on what rural people have told us from that survey. And it's also available at Savior.town for anybody to look at and use however they wish. Wonderful. I will. I'll link to all those and Thank I'm going to go read those because that sounds interesting. So Thank you. Well, I really appreciate having you on today, you coming and, and giving us a brief look at what it is that you do. It's been it's just been really interesting for me. You can tell I get excited. I love talking about rural and economic development and community. It's all tied together, isn't it? It is, absolutely. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.